Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Mary Hill Winery. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. All right, happy summer, Seattle, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and, uh, well, your commodore of cocktails. So excited to, that you're joining us right here on 570 KVI. Saturday night, 6 o'clock, we're here for the full hour, 6 to 7. Join us every week right here on the dial and learn all about great wine, spirits, cocktails, sake, Good food, great chefs, events and education all around the Puget Sound. And, uh, hey, um, it is August 15th, and the Auction of Washington Wines has just taken place. Um, Fantastic week. We had the picnic on Thursday. We had these great, fantastic wine dinners on Friday at private homes. Um, Just phenomenal, all raising funds for the uh, Children's Hospital and the Washington State University Viticulture Center, which is uh, a great cause because we take care of kids, and then we get to take care of the grapes. So it's a win-win. Win. And then, of course, the gala is happening right now, and uh, I'm actually there. So <laughs> we are in studio, and uh, I have the pleasure of having, um, well, some a new slant here. And, and uh, I don't use that word slant because I'm Asian, and I love Asian food, and I hope you love Asian food. Because there's lots of it out there, and there's lots of okay Asian food, but there's rarely some really great Asian food. And I had the pleasure of having some fantastic Japanese food the other day at Sushi Kapo Tamura. And uh, I have the chef, the executive chef, the owner, Chef Taichi Kitamura, and his, uh, and Brad Smith is, uh, what's Brad Smith's title? I think he's the uh, sake manager, bar manager, wine manager, and uh, service director. Pretty much everything there, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Well, let me welcome uh, Tai Chi and Brad to Happy Hour Radio. Glad you're, glad you're here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about Japanese food because I think, you know, right now sushi is, you know, ubiquitous. Sushi is around the world, and everyone thinks Japanese is sushi, right? Japanese food is sushi. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more complex to that, but we see sushi in Safeways and at 7-Eleven and you know, day-old sushi, half-price sales. But when it comes down to it, we're, we're talking about great food and people who are artisans like yourself. So, Tai Chi, let's talk about a little bit of your history. How did you get started cooking? My family in Japan owns restaurants. And so as, uh, as young as I was 13, I was working in the kitchen, helping my family business. And I came to the United States when I was 16 as an exchange student. Uh, knowing that I wanted to go to college, uh, but once I'm in college, I didn't want to have to go take ESL, so I started <laughs> in high school. So I started college uh, in 1992. Where was this at? This was up in Everett Community College. Oh, okay. Beautiful Everett. Yes, yeah. lovely Everett. Uh First day in college, uh, this young lady approached me and asked me if I want a job at a Japanese restaurant. <laughs> I think that's racial profiling <laughs> <Yeah>. right there. <laughs> and what did you say? Hi! <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, that's cool. And ever since, I've been working in Japanese kitchen. Uh, I, I did dishes for probably a week, and then I speak the language, so it's easier for, it's easy for the chefs to train me. Uh, so... I was cooking, and then, and then I transferred down to Seattle U, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I moved to Seattle, and I started working at Shiro's in Belltown. Okay. Yes. So that was my third year in college, and I worked there total for almost four years. I worked beside the master Shiro, and he's the happiest guy you will ever meet. And always he makes, smiling. Yeah, he's always smiling. And you can That's just, good. You can just feel the happiness around him, you know. He makes a lot of people happy, and he himself is very happy. So I looked at him like, oh, I want to be happy like that. <laughs> Me so happy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For a so, long time. For a long time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So happy, long time. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna just go out at at uh, the whole Asian cliches. I love it. Uh, <laughs> speaking with Chef uh, Taichi Kitamura of uh, Sushi Kapo Tamura, which is over on East Lake. It's a great sushi restaurant, a Japanese restaurant, really, but with the sushi. And uh, tell us about your restaurant because that's what you you went to Seattle. You you trained under uh, uh, Shiro, and then you opened up your own place. Is that right? Yes, I did. Uh, I opened my first restaurant in. Fremont neighborhood in 2001. That mm-hmm. was like a week after 9/11, uh, and the restaurant's still there. Uh, I no longer owns it. Or I no longer own it, but uh, uh, it's still going strong. So I think I did something right there. And yeah. I, at least you didn't start an Afghanistan restaurant, right? That no. would. Have. <laughs> <laughs> right, rock, uh, whatever. <laughs> Good uh, food either way. Right. Uh, then I uh, I opened. Sushikapu Tamura on East Lake uh, five years ago, July. So and that was a new building, right? Because it looked pretty polished. It was a, it was a brand new building. Uh, we were the second retail tenant. Uh, and yeah, it was, and it's been good in East Lake since then. Yeah, uh, when I was there, it was quite busy, which was phenomenal. It's always great to have that energy, and um, sushi is delicious. I can always eat too much. Uh, that's really easy for me. Um, so let's talk about your cuisine. You know, there's people think just it's all about ramen and sushi, but there's more mm-hmm. to Japanese cuisine. There's a philosophy. Tell me about some of that philosophy that well, goes into. It's it's a very heavy uh, emphasis on ingredients, <laughs> locally sourced and seasonally, seasonally availability. Uh, I guess when it comes down to it, Japanese is of the freshest ingredients ever because you're on an island, right? That's how it started. Right, right. Uh, we had access to uh, fresh ingredients because we live there. Uh, seas right there, and you know they can grow uh, vegetables in in very fertile soil. So they had access to fresh ingredients, uh, but it's. Uh, it's available uh, seasonally, so you know they enjoy the differences uh, throughout the seasons. Yeah. And now the global economy, or excuse me, the global trade, you can get uh, fresh goods from you know south, uh, southern hemisphere, and Mexico seems to have something all the time. And there's indoor grow systems that uh, from Minnesota, all everywhere. So it's pretty neat. And when we talk about um, the freshness of the food. We're also talking about something like purity. Isn't there a purity to the the flavors? Um, when I think about Japanese cuisine, I think about this delicate balance. I mean, everything always seems to be very. There's a certain order, right? Is it everything seems to be um, in harmony? Yes, harmony and balance. That's that's very important. I take those two seriously, um, and I hope I'm always careful about not to overwhelmed the original flavor of the ingredients. So so you know sushi and sashimi make sense. All you do is, you know, slice 
or add a little rice to it and then present it uh, in a beautiful simple way uh, but because it's simple there's no you can't hide anything so uh, you must right. use the best ingredients you can find and you gotta when you slice a piece of fish you gotta slice it the right way otherwise it's going to taste diff- uh, taste wrong in your mouth there's a certain uh, grade or um, what is it a uh, what do you call that the texture not the texture but it's the uh, um, the fish has a, a, a line right it's got a yeah what do they yeah. call that uh, sinew grain <laughs> or you gotta slice against the grain yeah get the grain uh, that's what I'm looking yeah. for thank you yeah uh, and did Shiro teach you that did you learn how to make rice I mean because I remember watching I Dream of Sushi. There's a movie out there, something like that, or mm-hmm. and um, they talk about you know become a sushi master. You got to learn to master the rice first, and you things like that. You got to learn to master the rice. Yes, it's very important. Sushi actually means vinegared rice as opposed to raw fish. Sashimi is raw fish, right? Uh, and the and the other yeah. sushi is called nigiri, right? That's with nigiri. a piece of fish on the rice. Yes, yes. Um, right. You so you got to uh, cook the rice. With the right amount of water, uh, otherwise it's going to come out too soggy or too dry. So, and rice changes its quality seasonally as well. Mm, interesting. So, uh, when it's new crop, it it has a lot more moisture, so you have to adjust your water, right. so it's going to come out. It's not going to come out too soft. Uh, right now, it's. Not so new crop, so you gotta add more water. Uh, <laughs> and there's no written instruction on that anywhere, so you gotta have to, you gotta use the experience. You gotta feel it, huh? You gotta feel it. Right. And and when we talk about uh, sushi kepo tamura over on East Lake, um, you have of course the sushi bar. Um, tell me more about your menu there. A very locally sourced, and it's very seasonal. Uh, we even grow our vegetables, so that's how it's local. Oh, that's right. You have uh, a rooftop garden. Yes. So we've been harvesting a lot of shishito peppers, shiso, meat leaves, cucumbers from our rooftop garden. Oh, really? So, you know, it only traveled 30 feet <laughs> from the restaurant. <laughs> from roof to plate, right? Yeah. That's it. So cool. And um, you have a full-service bar there, correct? And Full-service bar, sake, beer, wine, spirits. Is that right, Brad? No, not exactly. No. Uh, Very limited. We don't have a a lot of room. So we try to keep it traditional. Sake, shochu, a little bit of Japanese beer, and that's about it. We've got a few cocktails, which tend to be pretty popular, so we we, we do focus on that. But uh, definitely not a full-service bar. Okay, and uh, well, it's always fun to have you know craft cocktails in the Japanese way, oh, yeah, which absolutely. is pretty neat. And of course, we're going to talk about sake today, and I'm excited about that because I I certainly love uh, what is it called rice wine? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, <laughs> kind of, sort of, yeah, fermented, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, your hours are there at the restaurant, Tai Chi. Uh, we open at five, uh, close at nine thirty, uh, Monday through Thursday. We close at ten o'clock Friday, Saturday. Mm. We close at 9 on Sunday. Okay. We also do weekend brunch. Ah. Uh, 11 to 2, Saturday and Sunday. So is that a Japanese-style brunch? Japanese-style. Okay, yeah. so there's no eggs and bacon. No right? eggs and bacon. No, no eggs bacon sushi? Egg. I hear that's coming around. No? 
know, I've tried it and it's quite delicious. Is it good? Yeah, it is. <laughs> you should put that on your brunch menu. <laughs> Maybe. I think yeah, we make our own tamago. <laughs> oh. Do you know? Yeah. <laughs> Too, that's right. You got the egg on the on the sushi already, the tamago. Yeah. And it's interesting because there's uh, there's many names for these fish. And, and I like the way that you're, I'm looking at your menu here. And you've got Nia Bay halibut and Nia Bay, um, you know, local locally sourced products here. Washington albacore, toro. Um, and what does toro mean? Toro is a fatty cut of the tuna. Uh, typically cut off, cut from belly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, when, are there, what's the prime, sal- I was going to say salmon, what's the prime tuna that you're looking for? Is it uh, maguru? Is that the, uh, what's the, what's the real tuna that you want? The one that's being, coming extinct, the bluefin? Bluefin. Yeah, the bluefin. Is, yeah. This, is the highest quality tuna you can get, but it is not sustainable. Yeah. So I, uh, so we use a lot of albacore tuna, mm-hmm, which, which is I like. sustainable. Yep. Uh, it's caught locally in Washington state water. It's in season right now in August. So it's awesome. I had it. I had it at the restaurant. It was really, really tasty. And of course, you've got uh, the the classic rolls, and everyone's got. You know, I'm not a big fan of the cream cheese in the in my mm. sushi roll, but uh, I get mm. is that the ichi roll? I don't know what happened there, but um, mm. it's it it sells and people like it and gets people <laughs> in the restaurant, which is cool. And I'm speaking with uh, Chef Taichi Kitamura of Sushi Capo Tamura and Brad Smith. Brad, what's your title? Uh, I am a server and I'm a beverage director as well. Beverage director, over part-time at... bartender lately. <laughs> yeah, jack of all trades. You gotta well, be there. I'm yeah. excited to have you both. Um, I was really hoping we had some sushi, but I guess that's not yeah. practical because you yeah. open at five o'clock. Because I'm hungry. <laughs> it's six <laughs> o'clock now. That. <laughs> um, well, it's coming up on six fifteen. And uh, when we come back from this break, we're going to dive into some of these. Uh, we're going to talk about sake, and we're going to taste. I see you've got uh, three lovely products. Um, we'll, I guess we'll see if they're lovely. I'm excited yeah, we'll to find them. out. Yeah, we'll find out. So stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. And if, you, uh, if you've missed one of our shows, uh, be sure to check out our website. It's happyhourradio.net. There's all sorts of uh, uh, audio files up there, and you can see some of the pictures of our, of our guests, and it's, uh, it's lots of fun. So um, stick around, pour something nice in your glass, and we'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Hi, I'm Chris Sparkman with Sparkman Sellers, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan on 570 KVI. Only one station has Sean Hannity. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. on Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle, Somalia, Christopher Chan. All right, welcome back to round two. Hope you got something great in your glass. And uh, it's happy hour in Seattle. And I have the pleasure of speaking with Chef Taichi Kitamura of Sushi Capo Tamura over on East Lake, and Brad Smith, the beverage director for that esteemed Japanese restaurant. We're talking about uh, nigiri and uh, vinegar, rice and vinegar. Um, and I want to talk about uh, omakase. Tell me about omakase. Is that how you say it? The omakase. Omakase. Yes. Okay, yes. I got it. Uh, it means leave it to the chef. So uh, at our restaurant, we do seven courses. Uh, right now, we start with uh, beautiful shigoku oysters. Second course, 
uh, trio of uh, cold appetizers, followed by sashimi assortment of all the local fish and uh, uh, something cooked warm <laughs> after that. Uh, Lately, near bay black hot, we marinated that in Ooh, light miso sauce. That's one of my oil. favorite dishes. Yeah, melting in mouth, perfect with sake. That's called the sable fish, right? That's also, also called, called sable fish. Yeah, yeah. the black cod. Uh, now let's talk about that that thing. So that's you. Can you do that at home? Can you get that ingredient and make that at home somehow? Yes, although it's a very soft fish, so it's important to somehow uh, you either marinate it or cure it or something. Otherwise, it's going to be very difficult to cook it on your grill. Right. Uh, you roast it in the oven, right? Or you bake can it. roast it in the oven, yes. That's a good way to cook it. Yeah. But once it's cooked, it just melts in the mouth. It's oh, the yeah. butteriest fish you'll ever eat. It's amazing. Mm, yes. It's better than Chilean sea bass. In my opinion, yes, it is. In my opinion, is. too. And it's sustainable. <laughs> yeah. And local. And local. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So if you go to the restaurant, you just say, say um, we want omakase. Hi. Hi. That's it, huh? And then you, you, the, the show starts. Show starts, yes. I like that. So what are the, some of the special uh, menu items you have there? Is that you have something that is really pretty cool for, you know, if you want to come in and try something that is unique and really tantalizing, what would you recommend? Outside of the, the usual, the rolls and the nigiri and the sashimi, what else do you have? We, I like to recommend uh, whole fish. <laughs> uh, we serve a lot of idiot fish. Which is very uh idiot fish? Yeah. Is that tilapia? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh It's an actual fish. It's an actual fish. It's a bycatch of uh, black oh. cod. Uh not many chefs like to use it because it it has a large head and rather skinnier torso and tail. So the, the it doesn't yield as good, but it tastes great except for the cheeks. Mm. The cheeks are delicious too. I bet. Yeah, because he has a large head. He has a big cheek. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> big yeah, cheeks yeah. or a big behind, something like that. Mm-hmm. So you recommend this idiot fish? I don't think that's really appealing. I mean, you, do, you, do you change up the name? Do you give it some Japanese name? Well, in Japanese, it's called kinky. Yeah, kinky, <laughs> kinky. Oh, then now that's what you got to have. You got to have the kinky fish. That's going to sell. <laughs> I like it. And uh, well, uh, that, um, that one's cooked, by the way. Okay. Yes. So yeah, you don't get a whole raw fish. And a scaler? <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad you uh, you wield that knife with uh, expertise. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I want to move over and chat with Brad. And uh, Brad, um, let's talk about the beverage program. You've, sake. And people think sake should be warm or cold. Um, 50-50, hot or cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the perception or what I tend to, to run into quite often. We keep all of ours chilled because they're kind of higher quality which yeah. is pretty typical. You don't you don't find a lot of the lower grade sake in America. Um, by all means, if it's very very cheap, maybe Yuzu, yeah. really hot isn't a bad way to go. Actually, Zeki is yeah, uh, you know made for being hot, and, and it's great hot. too. I mean, uh, relatively inexpensive and uh, still tastes pretty good when it's, it's quaffable acid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and some people love Cleans it. Cleans the palate. Generally, though, I would say kind of in that uh, white burgundy range is best. You know, just a moderate chill on it, mm-hmm. a little below room temperature. Uh, though some producers uh, make very high quality product just for hot sake. So let's talk about sake. So sake is it is uh, fermented uh, rice beverage. So it's a little closer to maybe like a rice lager 
than rice wine. Mm-hmm. So they uh, ferment it because it's a grain, so yeah. you're fermenting it. But it's an interesting um, process. It is, yeah. Um, so you've got this rice, which doesn't really have any sugar in it. Uh, it's just a grain, so you have to do something to it in order to convert that sugar into starch. Well, there is sugar. It's locked into the grain, but it doesn't quite ferment. That starch into sugar. Yeah. yeah. So that conversion has to happen somehow. You know, with beer, they, they malt barley. They malt the barley, right. A lot of enzymes in that through the process, and it kicks the whole thing off. Uh, with sake, they actually, there's a, a mold spore called koji. Uh, it's It grows naturally on the on the rice grains and in the breweries, actually. Really? And, uh, yeah, it's it's everywhere. I mean, there's probably koji so it's in this a mold. room right now. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I okay. uh, don't know if we'd be able to spontaneously ferment some cool sake in here, but... But the process for, you know, you've got rice. You can't just take a bag of rice from Safeway or from uh, Wajamaya and then, you know, hope that it starts to mold, right? Tell us about right. that process. Well, so they'll take, you don't have to add, and you know, add the mold to 100% of the rice, but a small kind of a starter portion will be taken off, uh, steamed, so they soften the rice up. Mm-hmm. Not too much, kind of akin to a good sushi quality. And uh, then they'll just inoculate by uh, sprinkling. sprinkling. Right. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. it's actually dry, isn't it? It's green. It is, it's yeah. It's green mold, and they just like seasoning. Yeah, exactly. And they kind of mix it in. starts to generate a lot of heat. It's, in a, it's already in a very hot, humid room. generates a lot of heat. Mold likes that. Yeah, yeah, they do. They love that kind of uh, sweaty, basement-like <laughs> environment. Right. Uh, in this case, it's like a cedar room. But uh, And that's called... Uh, you know, I, I actually don't know the name of the room. And so the the Japanese, these um, these distilleries or breweries as they are, yeah, they're called breweries. kuras, right? They are, yeah. Yeah, so that's the Japanese term for the sake producer, the kura. And um, you've got the uh, the koji, you've got the rice. So you you've start this fermentation process because the, the mold, the koji, mm. changes the starch into sugar, right? Exactly, yeah. And, it, and there are different ways it can go about it. Um, you can have it just attack the whole rice grain and turn it into pure sugar. Uh, some of the more high quality, like the Jumai Daiginjo levels, they try to just have a delicate amount of koji. Kind of attacks the inside, but doesn't really show up on the outside of the grain. Hmm. Uh, but regardless, once that is kind of where it needs to be, yeast is added to the whole process, and then it just kickstarts it. And once they get a good fermentation going, they start adding more more steamed rice to mm-hmm. it, and it's got enough enzyme power that it just ferments the whole thing. And then they put it in a big, um, like, uh, cheesecloth, right? Yeah, well, they'll, they'll they'll put it in a big vat yeah. and kind of, you know, let us do its fermentation. Usually, if, you know, can be as quick as seven days, uh, and maybe actually one of our sakes is kind of on that, in that area, but uh, can take as long as about a month. And there's a special rice grain. Correct. It's not actually just you know long grain rice. It's it's yeah japonica. It's a short grain rice. Um, if you you mentioned ozeki, which is actually brewed in America, in get California, K-Kan. yeah, in California, and it uses what I have in my cabinet at home, uh, calrose, which oh. is a medium grain. I like calrose. It's good. Yeah, and you know it it's not really capable of making primo quality sake, mm-hmm. but it tastes good, and you know. We can grow it in America. And, you know, it's interesting about sake is that, um, obviously, it's a very Japanese uh, beverage, and, of course, the labeling is all in Japanese, because do, do the Japanese drink a lot of sake? Still? Taichi? Do you drink a lot of sake? Uh, they don't. I don't. <laughs> they don't. They drink shochu. Uh, they shochu yeah, and scotch, more, right? Shochu, whiskey, Shivis. beer. Yeah. 
That's it. Well, there's several different uh, levels of grades of, of uh, sake quality, right? And mm-hmm. let's just talk about yeah. them. There's uh, Han Shozo, which means it's uh, a sake which had some added alcohol. Exactly. You've got uh, Ginjo. Ginjo. Same same category as Han Jozo, just uh, a little higher quality. Um, it all comes down to how much of this rice grain is polished away. Right. Just so taking got, out the rough stuff and leaving the heart. The exactly. Just the pure starch. If you make, I mean, I haven't seen it, but like a brown rice, you know, raw rice sake would probably be awful. Yeah. Put it lightly. It would be terrible. A lot of other flavors in there. Yeah. And uh, it's the proteins in the on the outside that will really mess up the brew. And you get all kinds of weird side effects because of that. But the shinpaku in the middle... So like the starchy white heart of the right, grain. The heart. That's what you want. Yep. And uh, you don't find that in Calrose, but in a good short grain, it's there. So Hanchozo, Ginjo, Daiginjo. Exactly. Yeah, Daiginjo is that top level. And what's the, the Daiginjo is the top level, right? Yeah, Daiginjo is kind of the lightest of the, the various categories. Yeah. Uh, and what did you bring today? I brought uh, I brought a few actually. I've got uh, a Junmai Daiginjo uh-huh. from Kamo Izumi in uh, Hiroshima. Uh, really, really cool brewery, uh, soft water, and, and uh, very unique profile. Very unique. From there, yep. Sohomari Karakuchi. Uh, this is a Komodo style. Komodo. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a yeast production method that's very old And the old third school. one? Tensei. Junmai Ginjo. So we got a little Junmai. swath of everything here. Perfect. Well, we come back from this break. I'm going to be uh, doing some kanpai, right? Some yeah, kanpai. exactly. Um, so if you have some sake at home, I invite you to pour some in your glass uh, or any kind of wine would be great or a beer. Just have something really tasty because we've got uh, three great sakes. Uh, courtesy of Brad Smith, beverage director of Sushi Kapotamura and Chef Taichi Kitamura in the house here in studio. Um, come back from the break. We're going to dive in. So stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Hi, I'm David LeClaire with Seattle and Court, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan on 570 KBI. A look at the world from a Northwest perspective. Lars Larson, live, weekdays, noon to 3. Talk Radio 570 KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, time for round three, and welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Uh, I'm in the uh, Sake Samurai here with Brad Smith, beverage director for Sushi Kapotamura and Chef Taichi Kitamura. Uh, that great place on East Lake. So if you want some great Japanese cuisine, some omakase and some good sake, check it out. But if you like great wine, I'm going to invite you to a big wine event in September. September 12th is the Gold Medal Wine Experience. The Seattle Wine Awards and the Oregon Wine Awards present uh, the gold and double gold award winners. 60 wineries, 150 wines, a great buffet. Um, for about four hours, souvenir glass, VIP tickets, and connoisseur tickets, and it's really a great benefit, all a great time, all benefiting the West Seattle Food Bank. So check it out, seattlewineawards.com or oregonwineawards.com, or check out the West Seattle Food Bank. So that's September 12th for the Gold Metal Wine Experience. Well, um, this is sake, and uh, it's not really a beer, it's not really a wine, it's sake. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I think of it very, very closely to beer. Uh, but yeah, it's its own. It's its own uh, unique beverage. Uh, definitely not a wine, though. 
And uh, I, I really enjoy it. Um, I'm all just disappointed that there's the glass is never big enough. <laughs> no, they're not. And we that's actually intentional. Gl- yeah, we yeah. got a five-ounce glass. Because what's the alcohol here? This is 17 or? Yeah, we're running about 16%, 16 on each yeah. of these here, mm-hmm. uh, which is fairly high. You know, we're talking uh, Amarone territory, so kind of a bigger red wine, uh, the biggest of red wines, really. So. I've seen sake in a variety of different glasses. You've got brown glass, you've got green glass, and you've even got cask. Terakazu or something? What's yeah, it? yeah. The uh, You know, it's more of a novelty thing these days, I think. Um, but yeah, you'll see it kind of served in this big cedar cask occasionally. Give a little flavor, a little uh, extra in there, all right? Yeah, Take yeah. Take it to 11. Well, when we th- think about sake, um, obviously most people just shoot it back and cleanse their palate, and it's kind of refreshing and, and a palate cleanser, of course. But when we think about great wine and great beer, great sake, what are we looking for? Ooh, you know, that's a tough one because it's different for everybody. Um, I think that the most the most important aspect of sake, in my opinion, is uh, enjoying it with other people. Uh, there is a communal aspect to it that doesn't you don't really find it uh so much with wine um you you talked about the the tiny cups which yeah. can be kind of annoying as a server you're trying to constantly fill these cups uh the idea behind that is that you've got this bottle or carafe on the table this microscopic cup you're forced to pour for your other guests at the table constantly uh, you don't oh, pour I for see. yourself, right. you pour for others, and everybody pours for each other, and, and it's uh, it's just a kind of a cool, harmonious thing and, and brings everybody together. Uh, so sake is kind of all about fun and Hospitality and, experience. and um, being gracious. And um, when I think of sake, I think of, you know, this really delicate, um, bright, uh, there's, there's always a hint, I want to say a hint of brine. Um, there's this... What can you call it? Because there's just this ethereal sense to this the flavor. Well, I always get there. There are some common things that you get um, chalkiness. It, it, a lot of them will drink sort of like a Chablis with maybe a little bit lower acidity. Well, a lot lower acidity, for you know. Sure. And uh, and so and well, the common the common sockets that you find are pretty pretty reduced in acid, but that doesn't mean that they're not out there. You just don't see them. Well, I spoke too soon because this this sake when we're trying which one now. Uh, this is the Sohomare Tokubetsu Komodo. So Komodo <laughs> is slow. So oh, Sohomare uh, Tokubetsu Junmai, and it's a Komodo uh, Komodo style, which is the one of the original ways of uh, of getting the yeast kind of propagated and getting the whole fermentation process kicked with off. with a dragon or something. Is well, it actually involves a, a hot, sweaty room, a bunch of shirtless Japanese guys <laughs> with poles ramming this this rice and koji mix into a puree and, oh yeah and uh you know and it's hard work it's hard work actually it was uh there's a lot of legend about how horrible it was and uh but the end result is you get a little bit wilder of a fermentation a little increased acidity and uh and a little earthier flavors as well and so umami. and i think this is actually about just a little over room temperature it's, it's actually on the cool side is this the right temperature you think or should this be a little more chilled uh, I, I, for me personally, this is where I would like it. Uh, you know, debatable about maybe the other two we're going to try, but for a sake like a Kimoto, you know, just under room temperature is probably. And what would this probably, probably run at the restaurant? Uh, I think we're charging in the high 30s, $40, $42. Cool. Something so like you that. get a great bottle of sake. Yeah, we have very low margins. And um, the flavor, it, it actually lingers on the palate, but it, it dissipates too. But you get the sense of alcohol. It has some body to it. And. Um, mm. 
gosh, this is really a challenge. I, you know, in our, I'm a wine guy. You, yeah, you have to kind of come up with whole whole new concepts behind it. I think that's going to happen on the master exam. They're going to pour a sake because that's pretty classic, right? You'd think. Yeah, this yeah. is as classic as you're going to get as well in terms of when you think of a traditional style sake. You know, a Komodo, Junmai. So Komodo's uh, in a brown good. bottle. This next one's in a green bottle. Which one is this? Uh, this is Tensei, uh, Song of the Sea. Uh, I don't think the Japanese name is a the the English is a translation for the Japanese. It, okay, it's a uh, it's a uh, Junmai Ginjo. Interesting and, uh, about sake because yeah. they they have these great names: Song of the Sea, Tears of Heaven, Tears of Dawn. The the importers the falling and, rain. Yeah, or, the yeah. distributors do a really good job picking stuff, naming sakes for the Americans. Uh, you know, this is you can't actually, read the label, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't read them either. So you know, we're all in the same boat there. So this sake is the a ginjo, you said? Uh, Junmai ginjo. Junmai ginjo. Junmai ginjo. So means, no added alcohol to this, okay. uh, unlike a, a ginjo, which should have a little bit of alcohol fortification. Uh, this mm. one's pure ice, which is what Junmai means, and uh, you know, it's just kind of a fruity Malik-driven style. Uh, very, I wouldn't call it feminine, but it's a, obviously softer than than the first sake we tried, the Sohomari. This has a woody note to it for me. I mean, just on the nose, it's got that just a hint of of a little bit of I don't know oak, but it's just a sense of of uh, tree bark or something in a pleasant way, kind of a birch yeah, note, perhaps. Absolutely, and uh, it was a little unexpected. I got that as well, and and uh, usually this one is more about the the you know the palate. It's not a very aromatically driven uh, style, but the, you mm. know little nuances in here that uh, that give it complexity. And, and this is dry. Yeah, yeah, this dries out the palate. This is, seems to have tannin, which is really odd. You the, generally uh, bitterness is avoided mm-hmm. uh, with sake, but uh, and the acid's high. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's and these cool. Are, these are kind of mid-range acidity. Uh, they can get much, much more soft and billowy, which sure. is kind of most people's impression of sake. Yeah, like, like California Cab. Yeah, exactly. Uh, voluptuous, generous, they call it. And how does it get acid? I'm, I'm just curious about that. Is that just a, a process in fermentation, or is that the the... A lot of lactic acid uh, is involved oh, with sake. Okay. Uh, it's actually a requirement of fermentation. It it protects it protects the mash while things are going uh, getting started. Uh, without it, you get a lot of spoilage, and sake is very fickle when it's being brewed. Right. So it can go bad easily. Okay, and uh, this runs how much at this? Uh, they were charging about forty five dollars for this bottle. Okay, and this last bottle, um, quite interesting. It's a pretty bottle. It's a Oh, kind of a, an, I don't call it electric blue or a sea blue green. Oh, it's a sea foam, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, tell me about this one. Kamo Izumi, uh, Junmai Daigenjo. It's from uh, Hiroshima. And uh, a lot of great sakes from this region, famous for the kind of this mm. soft but minerally water. Very right. important. It's and, the and terroir all, of the sake. All these sake breweries were, were built or established by a... A, a, a glen, right, or a, a creek, or what do you call it? A, yeah, a spring, a spring. or a well. Yeah. Um, it's all about the water. Yeah, exactly. You need lots of water for sake, true, isn't that? Yeah, it is true. Uh, you know, you you need your, your water that's going to go ultimately into the production, but also water for cleaning and all that stuff as well. So they'll now, divide that up. So this is a great range of sakes that you've uh, brought to us. Uh, this last sake, it's called again? Uh, Kamo Izumi. Kamo Izumi. Uh, Junmai Daigenjo. Or this Automalexa. reminds me very much of beer. This has body, texture, and it just it has this, a sense of ale. There's just an ale note in this. 
Let's take a little wine. I do that way too much on Happy Hour Radio. Well, hey, what are you going to do? It's um, definitely got some fruity notes to it and some kind of malty, yeah, malty, malty kind of umami thing going on with it, which is not typical of a Junmai Daiginjo, but Kamo Izumi has just, they're cool. I mean, they're such a geeky brewery and... And uh, they try a lot of different from stuff. From Hiroshima, out. you said? Uh, from Hiroshima. Oh, yeah. that's cool. And um, there's one sake out there that's uh, milky. It looks, and they put, pour it in a uh, square cup, I want to call it, a square vessel. Yeah, the amasu. And they overflow it. And it's called an amasu? Well, amasu is the cup, uh, which is like a cedar box, which is a measurement of rice, actually, traditionally. But oh. uh, nigori is the, is the really? cloudy sake. That uh, people so unfined, is that unfiltered, that is? unfiltered, unfiltered say, yeah. is kind of though they are technically filtered. Uh, rice will be added back into the bottle. Oh. Uh, the amount that you add will vary greatly how creamy it is. Uh, unfermented rice grains are sweet too, so the more you add, the chalkier and creamier, the sweeter the product is going to be. Yeah, it tends to be sweet, kind of a dessert deal, dessert, dessert sake, most, and I'm having a good time. time with these three sakes. Hey, when we come back from this break, we're going to talk a little more about sake and, uh, of course, a little Japanese cuisine. I think Tai Chi might have a tip for you out there. Um, so pour yourself another glass. <laughs> Goes quick, done it, and stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Hi, this is Dennis Cakebread with Cakebread Sellers. You're listening to Happy Hour Radio on 570 KVI. The Commute with Carlson, weekdays 6 to 9 a.m. on Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right. Uh, having a good time in the Sea of Sake uh, with Brad Smith, beverage director for Sushi Kapotamura and Chef Chef Taichi Kitamura in the house, and uh, I've got three sakes in front of me. We're chatting all about uh, the rice, the koji, the daiginjo, the ginju, and um, the nigori. No, wait, nigori? Yeah. Yeah, nigori. Nigori. So, mm-hmm. um, sake is traditionally brewed from Japan. It's a Japan product, right? They Japan word, but Absolutely. we've got uh, sake brewing in California, as you mentioned earlier, but also Oregon. Momokawa is a big producer of right. sake. And uh, I've liked some of their stuff, but it never seems to have the same sort of elegance and complexity that I find in true Japanese sake. I, I agree. Uh, sake one uh, is another one that you'll find, and uh, rock sake as well, which is oh yeah specifically for the American and market. And Taiku is right. They're trying to make taiku, this Taiku, yeah. Taiku actually mm-hmm. brews in Japan. Uh, they just... Uh, it's just an American market in market. Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their products are okay for the price; they're not bad. But yeah, well, you know, I yeah. think at the end of the day, they're marketing it to, to for the effect. You yeah, know, exactly. Just, uh, drink some sexy beverage, uh, get bottle service in Vegas. Well, um, Brad Smith, thanks so much for sharing uh, these wonderful sakes. And if you want to, uh, I recommend going to uh, the restaurant over there in East Lake uh, Sushi Kapotamura, and. Um, having Brad give you a sake flight. It was really fun for me. Um, you'll find it delicious as well and quite interesting, of course, and it's uh, hmm, feels good, too. <laughs> so thanks so much. And uh, Tai yeah, Chi, do you. you have any tips for uh, uh, budding Japanese uh, culinarians or American culinarians who are trying to do Japanese-style food? Yeah, investing good rice cooker. <laughs> good rice cooker. That's it, huh? That's the basis of it. Uh, it does a lot for you. Yeah, it does a lot for you. you set it and forget it. You have this set beautiful... it and forget it. Ron Popeil yeah. never made a rice cooker too funny. <laughs> well, speaking of Ron Popeil and famous people, hey, you beat Bobby Flay. 
Yes, I did. You did. And what was that? That that's the the Bobby Flay. What do you call it? The cook-off or the the show is called Beat Bobby Flay. Beat Bobby Flay. And uh, I made pop stickers, and Bobby Flay made his version, and mine tasted better. Yeah. And I just basically did classic version, good ingredients. That's yeah, what I don't think the Irish boy knew how to make pot <laughs> <He> stickers. <laughs> <laughs> you could make dumplings, I'm sure, but... Uh, yeah, his look like empanadas. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they did. Yeah. And you can see that video, right? Where do you find that? Is that on your website? Uh, we, I believe we have a link to that. Yeah. Uh, Food Network's very, you know, oh, right. about the f- yeah. right. But uh, I th- it I should YouTube. be available on demand. Oh, you can see yeah. it again live. Well, almost live, right? Almost live. That was really fun. It's uh, great. And how they how they find you? Out of the blue, they called me one one day, and then I said, okay. Uh, I keep asking them how they find me. <laughs> they they give me, oh, we have a casting agency. Really? Wow. Yeah. I mean, so they're out, were you in New York, or where were you, in California? I was in New York. New York. Mm-hmm. Wow. So they flew you out first class? No. No. Economy. They put you up. They put you up overnight. They feed you. One night, they pick me up five in the morning. They put me in the studio until 7.30 at night. Fit me a lot of chips and really <laughs> candy. Yeah, craft services, huh? Uh, red vines, nuts, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny and, and bad. Coffee. Oh, they did have a meatloaf lunch. Yes, oh, wow. it was quite, oh, that's quite delicious. Good. Really, in New York, you'd think you get some pastrami or something. I, that's what I was hoping for, but I got meatloaf. Well, congratulations on beating Bobby Flay. Obviously, he's a, a big name, and so are you. So, Chef Taichi Kitamura of Sushi Kapo Tamura over on East Lake. Thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you very much. And what's the what's the website quick? SushiKapotamura.com. <laughs> Pretty easy. SushiKapotamura.com. Well, thanks so much. Hey, um, I'm hoping I find you guys. Uh, um, you should join me for drink some wine. Saturday, September 12th, at the Gold Medal Wine Experience. you like wine, Tai Chi? I love wine. Yeah, me too. We've got gold and double gold award-winning wines from Washington and Oregon. And we're pouring, well, the wineries. You'll meet the winemakers and the wine reps, and you get to ask questions. And and the cool part about this event is that all the wines have been awarded gold or double gold. How can you go wrong with that? This isn't an event where they're just pouring, you know, something that, you know, you might not fall in love with. This is vetted by world-class sommeliers, uh, masters of wine, master sommeliers, wine directors, all this. Saturday, September 12th, the gold medal wine experience. It all benefits the West Seattle Food Bank. Tickets available at seattlewineawards.com and the West Seattle Food Bank.org or OregonWineAwards.com. And uh, tickets are like 59 bucks or $89. Um, it's a great event, a great cause. It's down at the Seattle Waterfront Marriott, and it's a Saturday night, 4.30 for VIP, and uh, it ends at 9, and it's going to be a great time. This will be like the seventh annual event where we uh, just taste great, great Washington wines. How can you go wrong with that? Especially in September when uh, it's harvest time and it might be a little chill in the air, but typically we get that little uh, Indian summer. So you'll have some whites, some rosés, and of course some big reds. So I'll see you down, uh, save the date, September 12th, the gold medal wine experience. And uh, thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio today. We're right here, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. on 570 KVI. Check out our website, happyhourradio.net. And remember, folks, life is over. Always better with a designated driver. Cheers!